Hello and welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyon. We're glad you joined us today and we sincerely hope that you're blessed with today's message. It's important to know who you are and where you're going in, in your own life. It's also just as important in a church to know where you're going and the direction and how you're going to get there. There's core beliefs behind that and today, this afternoon, I want to continue that, the teaching on on doctrine, on what we believe, what we teach here at Foothill Christian. Now, it's not just a bunch of bullet points, and this, is, and I just don't want to be reading things to you, because here's the thing. You, you have to understand this for yourself. You see, when that person asks you at the gym or at Walmart or wherever you may be, well, what do you believe? Well, um, I don't know. Let me go get Pastor Rick. He can tell you. no. It should be you and I that, that should be able to give an answer. The Bible challenges you and says that every man should have an answer to the question that's asked of you. So when you get asked, what do you believe? What do they teach there at Foothill? Are they a cult? I mean, you've got to be able to answer those things. And no, we're not a cult. Uh, we believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died and rose and died for you and I. Amen. And that's what we live by. That's, that's our signature right there. Number one, though, we believe that the Bible is inerrant. It's without error is what that means, that it's the Bible, sole authority. We don't go by what Pastor Rick, there's no chapter Rick, okay? It's all uh, from Genesis to Revelation, and that's what we believe in, and that's what we teach. And so this afternoon, what I want to teach on is why does it matter, your core beliefs, your doctrinal beliefs, how many have heard the word doctrine before? Raise your hand if you've heard that word doctrine. And, and you have if you've read the Bible. So I would just check and see who's been reading their Bible, okay? Doctrine means this. Number one, doctrine is important. But doctrine means this in Greek. It means didache uh, and didisalkia, which both mean teaching, instruction, education, and explanation. Those were the two Greek words the definitions of them. So it means teaching, instruction, education, and explanation of what's found in the, in the Bible. How many have had the pleasure of having those knocks on Saturday mornings from uh, two people dressed up in a, nice, in a nice suit, usually, carrying a briefcase, or maybe not? I had a couple yesterday. Um, actually, it's this uh, one person. Uh, her name is Jadira. Wonderful, wonderful young woman. And her and I first spoke about six weeks ago. And she was a Jehovah Witness. And I, I love when Jehovah Witnesses come to my door. I don't know about you, but I love when they come to my door. I want to talk to them because uh, I want to talk to them and how they do not understand John 1.1. 1, 1. It's very clear. We believe that Jesus is God. He's the Son of God. Uh, we believe that he is going to be in heaven as God. Um, they don't believe that, number one. They believe he's an angel. Did you know that? They believe he's an angel, Michael the archangel. Nowhere in scripture does it support that, that uh, theory. So my, my first uh, um, conversation with them six weeks ago with Jadira, uh, and she was accompanied by Justina and another gentleman, I forgot his name. But at, at any rate, I, I began to say, how, how, how about John 1.1? Let's take a look at that in your Bible. Because I know in their Bible they add a word that's not found in the original Greek language to conform to their doctrine, to their teaching. So this is the way it reads in John 1.1. 1, 1. It says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. 
In theirs, it doesn't say that. Okay, because see, if it said that in theirs, it'd be clear as day that Jesus, who it's talking about, who's the Word, is God. What, this is what it says in theirs. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. Okay, so that's very important because in the Bible, it also describes Lucifer as a God. It says those exact same terms. So they use that, they insert that A, which is not found in the original Greek, so that their doctrine will, will correlate with all their other scriptures that they attempt to use. So we, we started on that one, and she didn't know how to answer me on that, so she kept coming back every week. But I was always gone on that Saturday morning. I wasn't avoiding her, because like I said, I love to speak to them. And, and she'd leave me a little note. Hi, Rick. Because I didn't tell her I was a pastor or anything. I, I just said, my name is Rick. And she'd leave me a little note on the door. It's Jadir. I just came by to say hi. And so this went on. And then yesterday, I'm coming back from a breakfast meeting I had um, with Pastor Allen from this church, from Open Door Church. And look, behold, there at my doorstep, there's Jadira and another gentleman. Because she said she was going to bring someone back. How many have ever had that happen. They, they're bringing someone back that knows more about the word, right? So this time it was an older gentleman and all dressed out. He had a very nice hat, which I asked him about where he got that hat and so forth. And we had an interesting conversation in my garage because I opened my garage door and we began to talk. And of course, they, they, they just do not see that Jesus, how in the world he could possibly be this God-man that we as Christians believe in. And we went back and forth, and I just, you know, I, ultimately I just stopped them. I said, you know, at the end of the day, right here, nothing is being accomplished. You believe what you believe. I can sit here, and I was just quoting scriptures to them left and right. John 20, 28, Thomas, the apostle Thomas, said to Jesus, my Lord and my God. And they just laughed because the way they interpret that is that he said, oh, my Lord, oh, my God, you know, like that. That's how they interpret that. It's ridiculous. That's not what the context says. In the book of Revelation, how many are familiar with the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end? It's describing Jesus. It references Jesus. They don't believe that. They don't believe that's referencing Jesus. We have a big divide. So um, it's, we weren't arguing. We weren't debating. It was just really uh, more than, uh, I shouldn't say a pointless exercise, but I was sharing the word of God with them. I was planting a seed in them. Now, where God takes that, where, what they do with that in their life will be solely up to them. And maybe you may be challenged, but if you don't know what you believe, it's going to be very hard to speak to anybody that comes to your door and knocks on your door. How many know that? Now, I've always told you, your testimony, what God has done for you, is the most important thing that you have. They can't argue that. They can't argue uh, your testimony, because that's a personal experience. Always use that if you're not sure of the word, and, and then go to the word. Amen. Amen. Let me, um, at the start here, let me read to you um, this statement that's found in our, we belong to the Pentecostal Church of God denomination. That's where I'm licensed and ordained through. This is a statement out of the uh, bylaws. It says here, as a Christian church of New Testament believers, we, the Pentecostal Church of God, subscribe to the following declaration of the things which are more surely believed among us, praying that there may be neither harmful nor divisive difference of belief to the injury of any, nor the disturbance of the peace and harmony of the church, and that we 
may be all of the same mind and same judgment, speaking the same things in love, and with one voice glorifying God to the edification of his people and to give Christian witness to the world. That's what, why we exist, okay? Now, as believers, again, it's imperative that you learn the word of God. You're gonna, you have to take time outside of Sunday to learn. You have to read the word. Pastor Rick, I don't like to read. Then listen to a podcast. Very simple. Podcasts have the Bible. They can teach you. There's, there's foundational uh, classes you can learn online that, that will share the gospel to you. Amen? Um, if you'll just quickly read, I want to, uh, or stand with me, I'm going to read from uh, the book of Matthew. If you'll just stand with me this afternoon, I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. I don't believe this is on your outline, but um, listen to the words of Jesus here. Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 18. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this time. Now we pray for your anointing. Give us understanding, Lord, that we might comprehend the things that, Lord, are so important in your word that we should know as believers that we need to learn in order to defend the teachings, the word of God that you've given us. So, Lord, we pray that this afternoon in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this afternoon. Let me take care of something here real quick. How many are thankful for uh, the Spirit of God this afternoon? Amen? Amen. Amen. How many are excited about the uh, chili and the cornbread afterwards? I am. Amen. Let me read a quick comment. It's on your outline from St. Augustine. He was quoted in saying, and this is what I believe as well, in essentials, unity. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. And in all things, love. What, what does that mean? It means that we as those that identify as Pentecostals, Charismatics, Baptists, Seventh-day Adventists, there may be some slight variations, differences that you may as, ascribe to. But as it says here, in essentials, unity. There are essentials. Number one, Jesus died on the cross. He died for you and I and rose again on the third day. That's an essential. You cannot, if you have a different belief than that, then you and I cannot come to an agreement. I'll tell you that right now. If, if you believe that it, uh, it takes water baptism to get you saved, then you and I have a difference in, in what the Bible says. The Bible says that Jesus went to the cross and paid the price for you and your sins. It is by grace alone that we're saved. Baptism is for believers. I do believe in baptism, and we're going to talk about that. But it doesn't get you saved. It's a symbol that you're saved, and we're going to get to that. So there's essentials in unity. In the non-essentials, what would be a non-essential? Oh, well, we celebrate communion, the Lord's Supper, on the first Sunday of every month. There's some churches that observe it every week. There's some churches that observe it maybe once a year. We're not going to, we're not going to argue about that, because you know what Jesus said? Do this as, oft, as often as you do it, 
Just do it and remember me. Remember this. So he didn't say, do it every Sunday. Do it every time the doors are open. He didn't say that. He just said, as you would do it, as, as often as you do it. So those are non-essentials, things like that, that we can agree to disagree on. Ever do that with somebody, with your spouse? Agree to disagree agreeably? That's, that's tough sometimes. And, and the men said amen. Yes. Number one, the scriptures. Oh, that got quiet there. <laughs> Number one, the scriptures. We believe that the scriptures, Old Testament and New Testament, our Bible has 66 books in it. Our Bible has 66 books. We believe that that is the authority of the word of God. 66 books, they're without error. They're truth. Um, it's, it's not what Pastor Rick says that he's infallible because I'm not. I'm just like you. I'm imperfect. I, I got to do my best every single day of my life. But the word of God is infallible. All 66 books. The scriptures of the Old New Testament are the inspired word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit spoke to holy men and moved upon them to write out these things. And they wrote these things. I mean, it's unbelievable. This is still the number one bestseller every year. The Bible. Go figure. Right? Go figure, Raquel. And, and, and there's a lot of books out there. But the Bible every year continues to be the number one seller. Number two, we believe in the Godhead. And you may have heard that term and you're going, well, what, what is the Godhead? The Godhead is that there is one true and living God. Deuteronomy 6.4 says, Hear, O Israel, there is one Lord and one God. Does everybody believe that there's one Lord and one God? Yes. Amen? Now, now, that's what we believe in as, as believers. We believe in this thing called the Trinity. And there's a unity in the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are three are three co-equal. They're one essence, one essence, co-equal, co-existent, co-eternal. And this is called the Godhead. That's who we believe. We believe that Jesus, the Son of God, is the physical representation, the physical representation of God that you will see on this earth. Because according to John chapter 4, verse 24, it says, God is a spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but the last time I saw a spirit was Casper on TV when I was a kid. If anybody remembers that TV show, it was a cartoon show. How many remember that? Everybody with my color hair remembers that. Casper the Friendly Ghost. But so, so the point of that is, though, that, that Jesus, the Son of God, there's the Father, there's the Holy Spirit. These three are one. Now, we can get into a deeper conversation, but my intent here this morning is not to get into it as deep as much as it is to point out what it is that we believe in. Those are essentials. These things that I'm talking to you about this afternoon are essentials. We, we, we cannot agree to disagree on this because there are movements, there are denominations that will tell you Jesus is not God, the Jehovah Witnesses. We, we have others that will tell you that, that Jesus is the Father and is the Son and is the Holy Spirit. That's not biblical either. So we have to agree on these essentials. Can I get an amen? We have to agree that he was born of a virgin. The Bible's clear on that. Born of a virgin, died on a cross, rose on the third day. Those are essentials. And that's what it talks about, the Godhead. Amen. Now, the second one is, or the third point is, man, his fallen redemption. Man is a created being in the image of God. 
But because of Adam and Eve, and we had a really good men's little Bible study on, on Tuesday night. Men who were there, raise your hand if you were there. And, and we talked about this, about Genesis chapter 3 and the fall. Um, and, and who was it, men, that started the whole thing? Well, it was actually the serpent. But then, then Eve listened, and, and then she blamed the serpent, and then Adam blamed Eve. And, I mean, everybody was finger-pointing, and nobody was taking the blame. Nobody was manning up and saying, Lord, forgive me, I blew it. And so what we have to understand here is that we need redemption. We have fallen. Man, women, you are born with a sinful nature. You're born with that. Amen. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was manifested in flesh to do away with that, to provide you a way of escape, to give you salvation. Amen. How many lived a life just prior to becoming a believer where your thoughts were very different? They, they were wicked, they were selfish, they were all about you, where when Christ came into your life and gave you purpose, gave you a hope, gave you direction, all of a sudden now it's because he's come to live inside of you. Amen? Aren't you thankful for that? One of the scriptures that I always remember, Romans 3.23, and let me read that nice and loud to you. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Do you know that's talking about the mother of Jesus, Mary? It's talking about Joseph. It's talking about, well, obviously King David and all these great people in the Old Testament. They all sinned and came short of the glory of God. You and I are no different. We're all in need of a Savior. And that's why the Bible's clear that the fall at the beginning in Genesis is the reason why we need redemption now, even to this day. God has an amazing plan for all of you. Number four, he provides the salvation, which I, I, I touched on already. Salvation is made possible because of what Jesus did on the cross. Amen. When he went to the cross, Amen. he said, Tom, I love you this much. Yeah. He said that to every one of you. Yeah. I love you this much. I love you this much. And it's that work on the cross that saves you. It's not kneeling on broken glass and saying... So many prayers. It's not you getting up on a cross and being nailed to it like they do in certain countries. They'll nail people to the cross on Easter Sunday and they'll make a spectacle of that because people think that by doing that, they'll draw closer to the Lord. That's not necessary. Jesus paid the price once and once and for all. Amen? Aren't you thankful for that? Salvation is a gift. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 through 9 says that, that grace is a gift. It's a gift to you. Gift is, here Justin, come and take this. It's yours. You don't have to pay me. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to do anything for it. It's yours. That's how beautiful a gift is. How many love gifts? Okay, I'm not the only one. Man is a free moral agent and can at any time after this new birth experience... I believe that the word of God teaches that you can lose this salvation, that you can walk away from it because there are some that teach that once saved, always saved. But I believe that you can come in here to church today, be saved, be praising the Lord, lifting your hands, loving him with all your heart. But one day, if you're not careful, you can walk out on this and lose all salvation with God. I believe that can, that is possible. Now, that was the prodigal son. That's where he was going. He came back and rediscovered 
his love. I was in that same situation and I've shown and shared with you how God brought me back out of that. But I believe if I had not found myself in the pit where I was at, I would have remained lost forever. I believe that with all my heart. And thank God that he woke me up. Amen. Thank God that he woke you up. Amen. We believe that there's the church, that the church exists for us as, as support. Everybody say this with me. I am the church. It's not this building. It wasn't the old elementary school. You are the church. Look at your neighbor and tell him, I am the church. The true church built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the head of this church. It's Jesus Christ, then we are under that church. And, and in the church, the Bible is clear. It gives titles of pastors, uh, of the different leaders, of bishops, pastors, apostles, evangelists, and so forth. And there's, there's positions that the Lord gives. The Lord anoints people for service. That's why we don't have ten pastors up here. Because so far, the only one I've seen called is myself. Maybe in the future, there may be another pastor up here, or two, or three, or four. That would be my wish, my, my desire. That, that God's anointing, that his call would be on you, that he, you would hear that call and begin to declare the word of God. Amen? Amen? We are the church. The church exists to evangelize the world. What does that mean? It means that you are a witness. You exist as, as the church to, to be a witness in your community, in your gym, at the store, wherever you work at, whatever you do. That's why you exist. Amen? And also, it's a reminder too. Christ reminds us in his word that he is coming back for this church. The Bible talks about this thing called the rapture, where he is coming back for his church. He describes his church as the bride, the bride of Christ. He's coming back. Now, he's coming back for those that are ready. You could be sitting in these pews. Doesn't mean you're going with them. Only means that if you're ready, if you're ready, he's, he's going to take you. I believe 100% in my heart there will be people that will not be taken that will be sitting in these chairs because they were never plugged in. They were never plugged in. The ministry, God through the Holy Spirit definitely calls such as he desires to serve as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. God alone calls those people. We can't say, Irene, I'd like for you to be a, a pastor now. It's not up to me. It's up to the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Amen? And, and God has that, and that's called the ministry. We believe in water baptism. How many here have been baptized in water? Raise your hand. That's all of you. All of you, except for the little guy back there. But one day he will get baptized. Water baptism is for believers. Say that with me. It's for believers. It's not for an unbeliever. It's for a believer Everywhere in the Bible where there is a baptism, and the only place they took place is in the book of Acts, they, first of all, heard the gospel, they received the gospel, and then upon confessing Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, then they were baptized. But they were never baptized first and then heard the gospel, always got baptized after hearing the gospel, after making a decision. And so we believe baptism is a direct commandment of Jesus Christ which I read at the outset, Matthew chapter 28, and is for believers only. And it's in the name of the Father and of the Son 
and of the Holy Spirit. That's how I baptize people. And, and some of you have had the privilege of baptizing in this place. And I hope to baptize many more. Amen. There's also number eight, the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. We believe that that's for believers. We believe that it's, it's an evidence that's called speaking in tongues. We believe that here in this church, in this denomination, that it's a gift from God as promised by the Lord Jesus to all believers who would receive it, who would desire it. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is accompanied by speaking in other tongues as the Holy Spirit himself gives utterance with the initial physical sign and evidence of speaking in tongues. It's found in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19. Every one of those instances in the book of Acts is where they spoke in tongues. And it was always a sign from above. It came with, the Bible first described it as, as fire. Fire is for him. And, and so you may be sitting here going, well, why do I need that? What is, what is it for? Number one, here's, here's what it's for. It's to give you power. The, there's a word described with the Holy Spirit. It's called dunamis in Greek, which is power, which is where we get the word dynamite from. And that gives you the power to, to witness is what it's for. It's not, a, it's not so that you can become a more anointed being it's so that you can witness to others because again that's your primary job as a believer amen it's to witness to one another so we believe that is available to all believers next sanctification what is sanctification that's a long word i can't even pronounce that well this teaches the bible teaches the that without holiness no one can see the lord hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14 the bible says that without holiness we shall not see the lord well so pastor rick what does that mean do i got to dress up and act like these amish people or what what does that mean no no does it mean i have to wear dresses and 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 i got to be all trimmed up and i can't wear a beard or no 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 holiness starts right here in your heart everybody say that it starts in my heart holiness is in the heart it's not on the outward when we welcome people in here, it doesn't matter if they're wearing a suit or really if they're wearing shorts. To me, it doesn't matter. God is desiring for that person to come in and God is going to speak to that individual. Amen. So, so sanctification is the doctrine of a progressive work. How many know that God works on us every single day? Hopefully today you are a much more mature Christian than you were Five, five years ago, yes. or even two years ago. Yes, thank you. And, and that's the way it works, that you progressively are drawing closer to God. That's what sanctification is all about. And as you're noticing, as I'm going through here, there's all the substantial or um, the scriptures supporting these, these doctrines. So you can go back on your own time. I'm not going to uh, take the time to read this. We'd be here all afternoon. Number 10, as you know, we celebrate the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper. And otherwise known as communion, the Lord's table. We celebrate it here. The first Sunday of every month is our our normal tradition. And again, as I pointed out, it, it doesn't matter if we celebrate it every Sunday or once a year. The Bible is just saying, as often as you do this, Do it in remembrance of me. So we we try to do it once a month to afford everybody the opportunity to remember what Christ did on the cross for you and I. That's why I love the video we played right before I 
began to speak. I love that because, not because they're, they're great words, they're flowing words. I, I love the, the, the speaker, and you can hear him on YouTube. He's an awesome speaker. It's not because of that, but it's because of the message. The message of what Christ did for you and I. That he was nailed to the cross for your sins. In your condition. When you didn't deserve it. When you were in the pit of whatever you were doing. He said I love you. I'm going to pay that price. I love that message. Amen. Um, What's the next point? Number 12. We have divine healing. Healing. We believe in divine healing. Can anybody say amen? It's for anybody that's sick in your body, in your mind, in your spirit. I told you a couple weeks ago when we got back from Mexico, we're praying, we're seeing miracles happen right in front of us. People are being healed. People are being delivered of demonic spirits right in front of us. And it's amazing because it's the faith of the people. It really is. It's amazing when the faith of the people are believing for anything. There's power in that room. You know, that there's one episode in the gospel that Jesus said he couldn't work in the particular city because of their unbelief. He couldn't work in that city. And he had to move away to another place because they didn't have the faith to believe that all things were possible. Yeah. And that happens today. That happens in our churches. Help us, Lord, not to be complacent, to take him for granted, but to believe that all things are possible. Sincerely, when you ask God, Lord, touch my body, heal me of this, believe that you have received that healing. Believe it, and it will come to pass. Amen. So we believe that it's on, uh, divine healing is, is for all of us today. It's provided for in the atonement or what Jesus Christ did on the cross. That's another one of the gifts that we have because of what he did on the cross. We now have healing because of his blood that was shed on the cross. And it's available to those who believe. Next is the resurrection of the just. This is, uh, let me just read this. The Bible promises, this same Jesus shall so come in like manner. His coming is eminent. When he comes, and this is talking about the rapture here, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive, which is you and I, if we're still alive here, and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. If you were afraid of flying, I'm sorry, you're going to fly. You're going to fly like a bird. And you're going to be up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. He's going to come down, descend down in the air. He's not going to touch down on the ground. That's going to happen later. There's another event that happens later. But in the rapture, the Bible says he's going to meet us in the air. See, the Lord always comes and meets you. When you come up, he comes to meet you. He doesn't leave you all alone. That's the wonderful thing about my loving Savior. He's wanting to come and he can't wait. He's got to come down and meet me there in the clouds. Amen. So we shall, we shall, then we which are alive remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. That is the rapture. Following the tribulation, he shall return to the earth as king of kings and Lord of lords. Sorry, Mr. Jehovah Witness. The Bible is clear here. Jesus Christ is returning as king of kings and Lord of lords. And together with his saints. Let me stop there. Do you know, do you realize the Bible calls you a saint? Look look at me right now. Look at me. The Bible calls each of you a saint. Now, 
Now, the first thing you just thought is, oh, he don't know me, right? I know that. Yeah, every one of you thought that right now. He don't know me. Yes, he does. And the Bible calls you a saint. He calls you a called out, a special people, a favored people, a royal nation, a royal priesthood, and on and on and on. But you're a saint in his eyes. And, and so the Lord will return to the earth as king of kings, Lord of lords, and together with his saints who shall be kings and priests. Did you hear that? You as saints, as believers, will one day be kings and priests in heaven. That is amazing. Amen. That's, that's part of the great plan he has for you. It's not one day that you're just going to go to heaven and you're going to play a harp somewhere, you know, and you're playing a harp and you're laying on a, on a puffy cloud. It's not, no, you're going to be serving as a king, as a priest. That's amazing to me. I, I can't wait for that. Not that I get to have authority or power, a power trip. No, it's about, I'm excited to see how that all works. Yeah. I'm excited to see my mansion. Amen. You know, he has a mansion for you in heaven. Wow. He has one specifically designed for you. I don't know what you guys like, but I already got my mansion picked out. I See, the Lord knows what I like. I believe with all my heart that my mansion is going to look just like what I love. Yes. He's, he's, he's going to picture, I'm, I'm going to be on the mountains right on the ocean. If the, that, I just see my, a mansion because I love the mountains. I love the water. How many, how many know that, that you could live like that, right? I believe that the mansion is going to look like that. So what is your mansion going to look like? Is it going to look like a, a fixer-upper home on that program TV show? What, what's it going to look like? Imagine. Why don't you imagine one day what God has in store for you? And so we shall reign a thousand years with him there, the Bible says. And, and there's more to that. But again, I'm not getting into this uh, deep on that level to, to go into each one of these. Next is setting a time for the Lord's return. How many know it's not wise to set a time? Have you ever heard of somebody saying, the Lord is coming back on September, yada, yada, day? Have you ever heard that? I remember when Anna and I were in Hawaii on our honeymoon, 23, 24 and a half years ago, and there was people passing out flyers back then that the Lord was coming in September. So here we were in first week in August in Hawaii, and there's people passing out flyers that the next month in September, the Lord's return was going to take place. That he was, in fact, on a specific date. They even called it out. And I just knew right away. It's like, are these guys smoking something or what? Because first of all, the Bible is clear. No man knows the hour nor the time. So why would they even go there? That tells you right there, number one, stay away from them. Stay away from them. And my Jehovah Witness friend, I'm sorry again, but they've predicted seven different times the return of Jesus. Guess how many times they were right? <laughs> Zero, exactly. Not once, not twice, but seven different times that he's coming back. And they've been wrong every single time. The Lord didn't tell us what date he's coming, but he did say, look, at, there's, there will be signs. There will be seasons that you will see. We're in that season right now. You, you know that by the times that we live in, that his return is coming. Amen. His return is coming. Amen? Amen? It's unwise to teach, preach dates. If you ever hear me preach a date that Jesus Christ has come back, you rebuke me. I, I give you the, rebuke me because that's not of God. That's not of the Bible. The Bible is clear on that. And next, the coming of the Lord. We believe the Bible presents the coming of Christ as a personal, imminent, 
pre-tribulational and pre-millennial theme. We further contend that this position alone admonishes watchfulness, incites holy living. In other words, we need to be looking forward to his coming. That is how we're to live as believers. How many are living like that? Earnestly waiting his arrival. I mean, I, I tell him every day, Lord, uh, as much as I'd love to see my young daughters married and have children, give me grandbabies, and, and every one of you as parents know what I'm talking about. Lord, if you were to come today, I would be perfectly happy. I'd be perfectly content. Lord, I, I, I want to be able to see this, or I want to be able to do that. But Lord, if you came today, I would be perfectly content. How many have ever prayed a prayer like that? Amen. And I don't know what it is, but as you get older, that prayer becomes a little bit more common, right? And we, we tend to do that because young people seem to think that they have all the rest of their life. And I want to remind you here today, none of you young people have a day promised. None of you. You have today. You have today. So again, the coming of the Lord, help us, Lord, to look forward to that day. And then we believe in a hell, a physical and eternal hell. There are many denominations that will teach you there is no such place that a loving God could never send somebody to hell. And they're absolutely right. A loving God would never send anybody to a loving hell. They chose that life. They chose that and made that decision. See, God gives us opportunities to hear the gospel, hear this loving message. But there's many people that choose not to listen to this. Amen? Amen. The one who physically dies in his sins without Christ is hopelessly and eternally lost in the lake of fire. The Bible goes on to say there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, grinding of teeth in a place 24-7, 365. It'll be darkness. Uh, I mean, if you read the descriptions of hell, it should scare the living out of you, right? It really should. The terms eternal and everlasting used in describing the duration of the punishment of the damned in the lake of fire carry the same thought and meaning of endless existence. Endless existence. Endless. Forever and ever. Just as we will be in heaven forever and ever, there will be people eternally lost. That's why, church, that's why it's imperative that you and I get that message out to our family, our loved ones, our friends, those that we come in contact with. Because what you have to look at them is, not as the physical representation of who they are, but as the soul that they are, that one day they're going to either be rejoicing in heaven or they're going to be endlessly lost forever and ever and ever. And I grew up hearing this all the time. Oh, yeah, we're going to party together in hell. It's going to be, you know. They just didn't realize that. They didn't realize the, the strength of their comments. I said that. I used to say stuff like that. How many, how many know... And been there, right? And, and we've all heard people say that. And they don't realize the seriousness of that comment. Hell's not a joke. As my brother Ed used to say, hell is no joke. And I believe it's imperative again that you and I reach out to those around us. That's part of your mission. Amen. And then uh, the next point is our tithes and offerings. Ooh, this is, this is what I love about our church. 
I, I take one service usually a year where I even speak on money, and I hate to do it. But I do it just because I feel as pastor, that's what I need to do, you know, and I just feel that it's a reminder more than anything. We got a loving church that loves to give. We have a giving church. We never could have come into this place here if we didn't have a giving church. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, there just, it wouldn't have happened. But I do need you to continue to be faithful. If you're giving, continue to give. We do need to continue to rely on that. And uh, we will do our best to continue to be here until God gives us our own place. Amen? Amen. But the tithes, we recognize that as scriptural. Malachi chapter 3 talks about giving of tithes and offerings. And um, I'm not going to go deep into that. But when I speak on money and giving, it's not that God wants your money. What he wants is your heart, because where your heart is, is where you keep your treasures. God wants your heart. If God tells you to give a hundred bucks, give a hundred bucks. If God tells you to give a car, give a car. Uh, There's people in here that have given cars away, free. There's people that have given away things just free. They're worth money. They could get money for them on Craigslist or eBay, but they give them away free. Give as God speaks to you. Amen. All God wants is someone that's willing to listen. Are you willing to listen and say, Lord, what would you have me give of my time, my talents and my treasures? That's all God wants. Enough of that one. And that takes us through our points this morning or this afternoon. I blew it. I was doing so good. If you have any questions on any of this stuff, and want to speak to Pastor Rick about any of this one-on-one, I will make myself available to you on any of these topics. If you have any questions, as the musicians come up uh, to close, if you have anything, you can email me, you can text me, you can call me, and I'd love to sit down and, and discuss some of this stuff with you. But here's, what again, the reminder of why it's important. You have to be able to defend your faith. We, we live in a world now where... Our Christian faith, Christianity, is being beat up every single day. It's being beat up. We're having more and more liberties taken away from us every single day. Now, that's not a good thing, and I believe it's only going to get worse, and it's going to get worse as socialism begins to creep into our country stronger and stronger and stronger. There, there is a new breed of, of government that's coming in. There's a new breed that's coming in, and it doesn't like what we stand for. Do you know that? It does not like what, what you and I stand for. And you have, to, you have to be able to fight for your faith. You have to be able to declare what you believe, why you believe it. I would strongly encourage you. If you don't know where to turn, where, where, where to begin reading, let me hook you up. I'll tell you exactly where in the Bible, what study guides, if anything, will help you. I have a lot of resources that I can that I can lend you that I can point uh, you in the right direction. So don't let that stop you. Amen. Mm-hmm.